0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And you're listening to the Ed the Pagan Show. From anywhere you are in the world, we're here every once in a while we come along. This week, I have begun the business broadcast, and I'm very fortunate and very lucky to have the entrepreneurial mind of Christian Day join us, uh, one of the most dynamic individuals in our community. As you may or may not know, he runs a lot of different businesses, but most importantly, uh, where I met him was the Festival of the Dead, Hex, Omen, and Salem. Now he's spread out to New Orleans, and oh my gosh, I can't even list all the business. So I'm so excited to have him here. Hi, Christian. I'm glad I, you're here with me.
1: Hi. I'm like kudzu.
0: I hope so. I really do. I hope so. Um,
1: Some people might say mold.
0: (laughs) Well, no, 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 mold. No, no, no. I know you well enough to know mold doesn't work for you, because you're a high design person. Kudzu was an ornamental, so that'd be much closer to the mindset. Um, Well, you just recently opened up uh, a new store and a second, a second omen, right? That was in New Orleans.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's only a few doors down from Hex. I kind of wanted to be closer to the hotels, you know, because the people love readings. But you know, when it when the space opened up, I we kind of couldn't say no. Plus, it's so much easier to manage because our man, you know, we have a manager and two assistants and a staff of you know employees, and so the managers are able to go back and forth between the two shops and you know keep things running. And, and we've got a really great team right now, both north and south, and. You know it really does take a village you know one of the things that you I, I heard Arnold Schwarzenegger say not too long ago and I really liked it he said people often say I'm a self-made man and, and I disagree he said and and I agree with him you know people talk about me or me and Brian my husband who co-owns the uh, you know our corporation and they go oh, look at what they made of themselves but I, I didn't just make myself you know we you, you you can have the drive and you can have the talent but you're always going to need those people that you meet along the way that help you or inspire you or you know drive you even if it's out of spite you know <laughs> to say i want to take this next step in what i'm
0: trying to do and you've been you've been one of the more successful people in the community um certainly one of the things, um, and I, I come away with great admiration in this, you, you really got started with um, – I, I have people, like a lot of people I get on the show, I've known for a while. And uh, and so you got started with the Festival of the Dead, Um was where you really got your, your start in being on the bigger side of the well, business. We,
1: even before that, like I did um, – when I was in my early 20s, I was starting to learn how to do – actually, 17, I started doing tarot. I met Lori Cabot when I was 19, and she told me, you know, you can't do these readings for free. She said my- people won't appreciate She said, people won't appreciate them. You have to at least charge them a cup of cocoa or an apple or something, you know, and, and, and she was right. You know, so there was an early period in my 20s. I would do psychic parties and things, and, you know, when I was 25, I worked at Sean Poirier's psychic fair, which later became mine and, well, ours and then mine. And then now mine and Brian's, because he passed away in 2007, Sean. But uh, mm-hmm. you know that's when I joined his coven. And then in 2002, you know after the dot-com bust hit and I was broke as hell, uh, he's in. And, and Sean, he wasn't the business partner type. He really wasn't a collaborator as a rule. But he, in his own words, trusted me right down to the smallest penny. And for whatever reason. He saw something in me. He said, why don't you do the witches Ball with me this year? That was 2002. The Festival of the Dead was 2003. Because what happened was we we did a great job with the witches Ball. So we started looking through the Haunted Happenings magazine. And at the time, the city was really trying to do away with it. I had one of the, you know, Sean said to me, it's nothing but corn husks and dog shows. And so I called up my friend who, was responsible for some of the little events in the calendar and i said well how many people do you get at these things and she goes oh i don't ever actually do them i just put them in the calendar so it looks like there's more to do this is what happened back then and this was 2003 and when we tried to join the official office of tourism they wouldn't even let us join they handed our money back and then said that the the board of directors decided you, you know that we did not fit the arts and culture model that Salem was trying to accomplish. You know, of course, I later ended up on the board of directors. I was the first witch to do that, but that was only after in 2005, a new mayor came in. And so now they get it. You know, she's the most pro tourism mayor we've ever had. She's the most pro LGBTQ, et cetera, that we've ever had. And she gets, you know, we have a wonderful tourism office and, you know, it's a different world, and they, they've they explored things that they were never willing to know, like the fact that um, when they did some focus study, they asked, you know, why did you choose Salem? And, you know, I've been saying for years that the people visiting Salem aren't just witches, but they want to see witches, you know, and, and they at the time, the powers that be would be like, oh, you know, witches and Wiccans and pagans come to see these witch shops. I'm like, it's so much more. Well, they found out that out of the people, when they said, why did you choose Salem? They could pick all the different things. Well, 85% of those people included the modern witch. That's 890,000 people out of the million that come a year. <clears throat> and so you're looking at regular middle Americans. that They're not interested in doing what we do. They don't want to find the goddess. They don't want to be sorcerers. They just want a little magic in their lives. And they want to understand what's going on in their lives through the medium of a psychic reading. And so understanding that audience I think is the secret to what we do and that we've never, we've never tried to, you know, I have found it, this happens both outside the witch community in Salem with, with you know the various museums and what have you and attractions, but also with witches themselves. They're always trying to decide what people should want rather than trying to understand what they want and while i only have these businesses in tourism towns ed i sometimes you know, i believe this is probably true everywhere i think if you open a witch shop in wichita you're going to find that if you calculate your trajectory correctly your number one market segment will be what i call muggle seeking magic you know regular people it's like a catholic visiting vatican city They look up, or even a non-Catholic, you know, you could be a witch and visit in Vatican City. You look up at that 15 chapel, you want to be all so close to God. You feel in God. You don't want to be a priest or a nun. You just want that little moment of God. Well, that's what witches are, people all over the world. that They don't have time to mix things in a cauldron or, you know, whatever. They're not interested in worshiping the old gods. They just want someone like us to fix their life so they can go back to whatever they were doing before. Well, you
0: uh, long yeah. ago introduced me to the idea of the witch as mercenary. The witch has always been a very much a traditional role of the individual you go to when you turn to all the other powers to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you turn to the witch finally because they have, they have little choice because they don't know what else to do. You, you, you taught me that lesson. But it's it's funny witch- he said my
1: husband and I were just debating that very line in my book about you know the witches being magical mercenaries, because he doesn't care for it as much you know to make us sound like we're out there for hire I'm like we kind of are um, yeah. you know and as a high priest well he's a high priest of the Alexandria tradition and I am an initiate and,
0: and so I am you the, pre- the book
1: right and, and then I oh it's, 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 you know what you've got to read initiation into witchcraft if i had read that 32 years ago when i first started on the path of mm-hmm. witchcraft i would have been an initiate and i wouldn't have spent 30 years making fun of them because i think that like you know because they, you, you see a lot of these people and you know they're online and they're whining about who's the, you know it's like all those gay white men that are trying to determine what the most valid version of haitian voodoo is you know and i sort of look at these and i'm like. Uh-huh. You know, it's not impressive. You know, all these initiates on all these Facebook groups battling it out over, you know, whatever the fuck color candle it is they're using or, you know, something. It doesn't impress me. Brian mm-hmm. impressed me. When I went out to London, Maxine Sanders impressed me. You know, mm-hmm. the people of Alex's mm-hmm. company that I met at Treadwells. They impressed me. But a lot of these initiates, they don't impress me. They don't feel magical, but at the same time, I've had to, now that I'm in the process of reworking The Witch's Book of the Dead, I I bought the rights back from Weasel, I mean Wiser, and, um, (laughs) sorry, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of reworking it. And I have to revisit some of those old, qu- old quotes. And Laurie Cabot's writing the foreword, so naturally she wants me to lighten it a little, you know, because, I mean, she did give me a blurb for the original, but she always had a little, you know, there were some things in there that she's like, did you really get to say that? And I am revisiting it and saying, well, what would I keep? And one of the things I'm keeping is which as a magical mercenary, because here is the thing. There are two sides to the craft. And as someone who was not initiated for all those decades, I'm not going to come out and say I don't think I was a witch before I was initiated because I believe I was a witch before I was initiated. But I also believe that initiation for me has been the deepest form of witchcraft I've ever felt. But that being said, it has not changed that my basic view that there are two aspects to the witch. There is the work
0: we do in our covens. And
1: a, a priesthood of initiates. Whatever mm-hmm. you know, whatever your work is as a witch, whether you're in a coven, whether you're solitary, you know, whatever you're doing, um, that that is your internal work, your internal development, you know, your uh, search for the meaning and the magic, etc. You know, that is your personal side. But the other side. Is where the witches, mercenary come in. The fact that as long as there have been witches and other magical practitioners, because I don't see witch as much of an umbrella word as I used to see it. Um, you know, I think Laurie and my husband have finally gotten to me. Um, I don't see it as an umbrella word. But I do see, like, gold, you know, Joseph Campbell refers to the golden thread of mythology. There is a golden thread of magic that connects all these magical practitioners, and whatever our personal development and our personal path becomes, there is this other side where people are going to seek us out whether we want them to or not, and sometimes we don't even try. We might be, you, know, you might work in a hospital as a nurse, and people just start to sense that you have the power. Maybe you don't even have to say anything. They sense it. And so they sense it, and suddenly you start getting barraged with help me, help me, help me, help me. Well, what are you going to do, slam the door? You know, I think there is a side to what we do that absolutely makes us a bit mercenary. I mean, there are some things that are not mercenary in the sense that we don't charge for them. You know, no, we don't charge for training, and we don't charge for healing, though some, some would, you know, certainly to take classes. You know, as an initiate, I can't teach witchcraft of money, but, you know, I can teach other forms of magic in our stores, you know, and, and yes, my time is, is worth something. So there's mm-hmm. two sides. There's that's there's, looking within, and then there's the time that which has to look without and realize that the world needs us, and they don't necessarily want to be us. They just need us and the help that we can give them.
0: And I think that is exactly true of any of the uh, uh parts of what you would call a mercenary. A lot of times people just people who are willing to take on that training, because it takes an extensive amount of understanding, self awareness to be effective.
1: Um,
0: I know when I worked at Psychic Fairs with you, um, I worked the last day on psychic fair and the first time I had actually done that in a very long time. I felt very strong. A lot of I felt very much in my my own power at it, because so many people wanted to um, get just a little bit of information, a little bit of knowledge, to make their life better. And there I was, giving them the best, job, best of my advice, best of my card readings, best of my abilities to them. It was very empowering, I will tell you. And um, and the, being that psychic in your affair was really a very strong feeling for me. Um, and then, well, here's funny. the thing that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead,
1: please. Well, here's the thing that never gets old. And I know some of these leaders out there get uber pretentious and they look, like, oh, I am the ascended muckety muck of what have you. You know what? I've had these conversations with Lori Cabot, and she is 86 years old. And both of us agree on one thing it never gets old to feel that sense of wonder that comes from validation. Uh, you know, just last night we filmed this thing out in LA. And. You know, there wasn't that much of a story of this place we were investigating, you know, at first. They had to do some research, and they found some things, and there were shootings and what have you, and all the. Well, the night before I'm supposed to go into film, I went into my alpha levels, you know, you lower your brain waves and, and, and go into psychic mode, or as I say in the book, the visionary state. And I decided to do a little remote viewing. And all I could come up with, I said, you know, they said it was some sort of, you know, tea room, salon or some sort of thing. And then it was an art gallery and a, an antique store. And, and, and I'm like, this was a speakeasy. I said, this had some sort of thing to do with the prohibition and the mob. And the, the you know, I said, I think they even had a casino in it. So I come in, you know, and of course I, I don't really – at first I didn't, you know, they interviewed me later and I, I said it, but, you know, at first when I came in, I, I don't say anything. I'm just, and you know, it was great. They had a makeup lady. First time of all the TV I've ever done where somebody else, I didn't have to do my own makeup. And uh, so the owner of the of the venue comes over to me and it's a middle-aged Sicilian guy. Mm-hmm. And he goes, did they tell you this used to be a speakeasy? And I, I'm like kicking myself thinking, I should have said something, because now it's going to be like, oh, sure, you really saw that. But I picked up on that, and it was so exciting for me, because, you know, as witches, when we do this work all the time, you know, yeah, we do hit a lot of things, but when we hit things, it's never not exciting. It's like, oh, my God, you know, we have this gift, and, you know, I think I'll be 90 years old if I make it that far, and when I hit something on the nose, it's going to be exciting,
0: it, I, 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 and it's I powering. And it is. And so from you, so, so we, we talked about the fact that you started with a Halloween ball, you and Sean, um, who did a, an amazing job. And then you guys started the Festival of the Dead. And, um, and then you had a tragedy. I mean, he, he he passed from this world into the land of spirit. And you ended up finding yourself like in charge of something that you were the second oh. in command, And oh. uh, then... That had be, you had to be startled second and,
1: I mean, technically, we were equal partners, but in the reality, I mean well we were because there were things Sean would sure. fight for that I would capitulate. but if I really went to the mat, he would cave too. you know what I mean, like we each had things we were so passionate about, and you know, just like my husband and I are both equally domineering alpha bitch. Sean and I were both domineering alpha bitches. But in the mind of the public, because he'd already made a name for himself, I was this little, half the city called me Sean. I had no identity at all. And the day after he died, you know, this person, one of his former friends who, you know, wanted to throw a dig, I get this email. <clears throat> How does it feel to lose your meal ticket? You know, this was in 2007, the day after he died, right? So, you know, I'm like, my God, this is, you know, and I've said some softies, you know, I have a salty side, but that was just on another level of, oh, my God. But you know what? It still wasn't as bad as some of those so-called friends, and mm-hmm. I had them that would come around after he died, and they'd be like, are you sure you can handle this without Sean? You know, I you know, it's it, are you thinking of shutting it all down and blah, blah. You know, and then I had the goddessy people going, Now that Sean's dead, you know, can you come back to the you know, the sticky womb of the mother goddess's vagina canal blah blah blah. You know, and then I'd get these people from the Church of Satan, you because know, Sean was a member and it was how do you intend to carry forth warlock, crow claws, satanic legacy? And I'm like, what the fuck? This is my legacy to live now. This is, I right. have to rise and fall on whatever the fuck I do next. Sorry if I'm swearing. I don't know if you allow it. but
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, my, my audience wants the real swearing.
1: I, I am going to rise and fall on what I do next. So there I am, you know, going around going. Well, okay, I can certainly put on the dog. I I may not be the psychic that Sean was, but I'm a good psychic, you know. I have got good gifts and whatever. We, you know, I, I let me assess what the hell I've got to work with. Mm-hmm. And then I got I I, I hired uh, the Dragon Ritual drummers because Sean never really let me pay for much in the way of entertaining or decor. All the, I mean, over the last few years of his life, he did, you know, let me hire like his amazing balloon sculptor friend and what have you and you know we've and he passed away too but we you know, we but we've we never really was able to invest, you know. So I had Fiona Horn come and I declared her the Queen of the Witches in honor of the show Bewitched when they declared, you know, Samantha the Queen of the Witches. And uh, you mm-hmm. know, I, I had the direct ritual drummers and we almost tripled the ticket sales of the witches ball that year at the Hawthorne Hotel, and that was what I don't remember the author with that book, the tipping point. But that 2007 was the tipping point. Mm-hmm. In 2008, I opened Hex. 2010, I opened Omen, and also Lorelai and I did the Salem witch walk, you know, tour together. And I gave that to her because I, I didn't want to manage it remotely from New Orleans. Because in 2012, Open Hex New Orleans uh two thousand what is it? Seventeen I, we doubled the size of Omen as you saw.
0: It's mm-hmm. tripled
1: really if you if you count the back room and the seance room and the stock room and everything, it's about triple the size. And then two thousand eighteen we doubled the size of Hex New Orleans and then two thousand uh, well I forgot two thousand seven eighteen we also started the Spirit New Orleans Spirits and Spells walking tour. And then 2019, we opened Hex New Orleans. So now my husband's like, Christian, we're on a consolidation. We're going to, you know, don't be crazy for the next, you know, (laughs) I can't renovate. I'm not opening another store, you know, because I'm always, I get
0: bored and I want to go to the next thing. And and, and now, when did you start Warlock Press? Is that this year's? Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, (laughs) I pay attention. (laughs) there's too many things well
1: that's the thing both the tour company i'm rebooting that tour company because it's the mm-hmm. only thing i've done in all my years of business that i've had trouble breaking into but there's like literally 230 tour companies in new orleans so it is hard to you know and i think i started with too high a price and i was and i was looking at this the wrong way mm-hmm. oh you can't forget hex in 2015 was the first text which is our Weekend of Witchery in New Orleans here, and that's always the second weekend of August, and you know this year it's the seventh, eighth, and and ninth, and uh, that's really the one, that's the one thing we do that's really geared towards the practitioner or the beginner that wants to be a practitioner. I mean, we do have some workshops at Festival of the Dead that are you know geared to practitioners, but mm-hmm. the Dumb Supper for example, or the Morning Tea, which is like a morning. M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G with Leanne and and Sandra is, um, you know, that's about sharing your experiences of your departed loved ones, but anyone can go, you know, Hexfest is really for the practitioner or a beginner that wants to, you know, that's just starting out, but they want to be a practitioner, you know, so that was 2015, but the, the publishing company, you know, that's another thing I'm sort of, you know, I started it in, we, well, we started it in, uh, we believe September of uh, 2018, and we published Brian's book with it. But I haven't really had the time to go out there and get authors because, you know, I, I, I never realized what my, you know, I, I put it up on the web once, <coughs> excuse me, on Facebook a few weeks back of the job description that I needed to hire an assistant. Mm-hmm. And I never realized how many dozens of different software packages and online tools and, you know, widgets and processes and what have you go into what I do. And it's like, how the fuck am I going to hire that? And I got lucky with Kevin Wright, her, her, you know, his wife Sandra is the store manager you know, of the two stores up in Salem and she's brilliant. You know, and her and Leanne and Marano, uh, just, they're publishing a book called Reading the Leaves about tea leaves, and they have Random House. I mean, that's like the number one in the world, you know. So the, uh, they won't tell me what their advance was, but I'm willing to bet it was one chunk of change, you know. I know it was definitely not something you'd get from Llewellyn and Wife, You know what I mean? Like it was something. And and the fact is, you know, that's what we encourage in our corporation. We want everybody that work with us whether it's someone like you that comes once a year or, you know, whoever, we want everybody to reach that potential. None of us are so insecure that we feel like other people can't realize their dream too, you know? And so Warlock Press kind of came out of, I don't want to get in too much into the negative, but I, I really think that, you know, Wiser, I'm not super happy with them <laughs> Put that way. I mean, I don't know how much I'm allowed to get into on your type of show, but I, you know, no, I
0: don't. We're we're deep plunge, so so. But basically, one of the things I think you you've explained is one of the things is is you want to have a freer hand. You're always been a very detailed. So this is something people. If you've heard one thing, I think it's the same story. You reinvest in yourself and reinvent yourself, and Brian and alongside with you and Sandra and your people. Are constantly working to reinvent yourself into what your audience wants, and really, warlock press is about bringing. Well, out-
1: well, with, well, with with a caveat. With a okay. caveat, I need to qualify okay. that.
0: You yeah. know,
1: while my style changes over time, and you know, things I do, and maybe my, you know, obviously I'm an initiate now, but 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 here's what's important, because this is I, I can't underscore this particular fact enough. And I know this isn't what you meant by that, but some people could take that as, you know, are you just playing to the audience? And on the contrary, people have come to me and gone, well, you know how great if you just filled your store with, you know, and I love ordering from Azure Green, but there's a lot of things I won't order because they're in every other store. You know, and they're like, well, if you order that, it would sell so great. I'm like, but it wouldn't be true to us. And what I need to tell you is the smartest piece of business advice I ever got, and I live by it was from my friend Keith Lane, who is one of the most awarded creative directors in the history of advertising. Truly brilliant. If I wasn't doing all my stuff in house and determined to do it, he'd be that person I'd hire because he's that brilliant. And he said to me, never let the design drive the concept. And In design, that sort of means, you know, the difference between a creative director and, say, a graphic designer. The graphic designer will come along and go, I really love the color blue. Let me put something blue together for you, and we can put it on rice paper. Oh, my God, maybe we can fold it like origami, but what does it really fucking say about the brand? To be a true creative director, you must understand first the product, how people are going to relate to it, how to find the market segments, and then... Find some overarching idea that flows into everything and stay authentic to it. Because if you notice, while I I might reinvent myself in the sense that I have different things, those things kind of have a continuity. Like Hex is still Hex. Hex is the wicked witch. Omen is still Omen. It's Glinda. Some people look at it a little more New Age, but it's not. It is just as powerful as Hex but it's more sophisticated. We have more of the Egyptian and the Greco-Roman and all that city magic, whereas Hex has the, the Norse and the Celtic and the tribal and the hoodoo and the voodoo, more get your hands dirty, tribal, nomadic. There are concepts to these things. Same with Warlock Press. And so while, yeah, I do pay attention to my audience, but if my audience decides it wants the fuck, uh, glitter wands, or you know, like whatever. I'm not going to carry them. Well, you didn't. I never, 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 never. I have never had in twelve years. Well, really, more than twelve. What is it? Eighteen years since the first witches ball. Never once have I ever compromised the integrity or the authenticity of what I do. Never. And and people think so. A lot of people. You know, oh, he's just an entertainer. Or he's just a. They have no idea. When Brian and I first started dating. And it got to the point where he'd be staying over. I'm working on the laptop and I've got my spreadsheet up. It was the time when I came up with my witch's charms, which is kind of like a gree bag, you know, like a bag of things and <clears throat> what have you. And I'm doing all this research and I've got Paul Barrow's books and I got Cunningham's and I got websites and I got, you know, and I'm trying to research and, you know, this was just the preliminary. Let's put these formulas together. And then I'm going to, of course, go into psychic mode and go. Well, you know, I, according to these laws, you know, these things will go together. But do I psychically feel like they go together? You know, I have to do that too. So my, you know, my then boyfriend looks over at me and he says, "Can I ask you something?" And I go, "What?" And he goes, "Do you tell people what's in these?" I "No, oh, they're my secret recipes. I'm not going to tell anybody what's in them." And he goes, "Well, with your name." You know, because I think he wasn't, you know, he's a super strict and devoted, but you know how a lot of people take me, you know, even he did probably at first, like, is this guy just some, you know, five Joe Carniak? And he said, you know, with your name, you could put anything in them and they wouldn't know. And I said, but then they wouldn't work. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, and that has driven me. So when, so yes, in one sense. I reinvent myself in the sense that I get bored just being a shop owner, so now I'm going to be a publisher. but you know in that regard, I'm reinventing myself, but I'm not doing it for the audience. If I were doing it for the audience, the publishing company that I do, well, you know the stores do have their i mean well it it, it just is muggle seeking magic; they are the number one market segment, but quite honestly. Sandra was smarter than me in that regard, because Sandra and Leanne, when they wrote reading the leaves, she said to me from the very beginning, I took a page from your book. I am targeting muggle seeking magic, which I didn't, by the way, target with my book. My book was more for, you know, not hardcore practitioners. It's not like the secret chasm of St. Cyprian's papery vagina or whatever the fuck, you know, like these super obscure books. No one really reads, but like, You know, I I did write it to be acceptable, but it's not exactly, you know, collegiate. I mean, it's well-researched more than most. but, But what Sandra and Leanne did was so perfectly geared to that audience of the Muggle Seeking Magic that they got the largest publishing company in the world. That's not accidental, you know. And so with Warlock Press, it's not quite that. In fact, Warlock Press is trying to be what Weiser used to be. Or maybe Weiser never was. But, you know, Samuel Weiser was. You know, he was collecting all those books in New York. Donald Weiser, you know, I think they started out on the right foot. But they've really, you know, I'd love to say that they are now, you know, they are to, if Llewellyn is Walmart, then they would be Target. But frankly, I think Llewellyn's stepping up their game. You know what I mean? They've really stepped up their game. So they might have a higher tier level, in my opinion, than wiser right now. You know, and it's 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 very sad, you know, in the way, you know, it's, part of it is their corporate restructuring, but it was very disappointing. I'm not saying anybody owes me a handout, but my editor at the time, Amber Gudeber, who I can literally name because she will back me up on this, and so will Denise Alvarado because I'd forgotten this. She actually put this on her wall, and it actually brought a tear to my eye because I'd forgotten it. I had pushed Denise Alvarado many years ago to submit her self-published voodoo hoodoo spell book to uh, Wiser, and then I'm on the other end going, you know, take this book, take it, you know. And so Amber, you know, asked me, should I throw this away? What's I'm, I'm like, no, 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 no. You've got to take this book. You need to jump on this hoodoo thing. This is the next thing. You know, blah, blah, blah. I gave them that fucking genre. I also pushed Orion Foxwood on them because Amber's. what about this Orion? Oh, no, you need him. You need him. You need him. And the Appalachian granny magic and the whole – I pushed this entire genre on them that they A, didn't want, and B, made a fucking mint from. So, and, and never mind the fact that I sold, you know, how many tens of thousands of books from all these shops all these years. I was the the best-selling new book that came out the year it came out, outsold Gramsci, and then some that year. So, do I think that giving an incredibly well-written book? Because I am neither nepotistic nor cronyistic. If you add no me at all, if I thought Brian's writing sucked or I thought he didn't have the talent, I would not push him forward. I've never been that way, and I'll never be that way. In fact, quite the contrary, I surround myself with people with talent. I don't know that I would have married him if he didn't have talent. So, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm very much about surrounding myself with these fucking alpha dogs. So do I think it was kind of shitty that they tell me, you know, oh, initiation doesn't sell, blah, blah, blah. When first they looked at it and I wrote my proposal, and by the way, I gave my marketing plan that I used, you know, we only submitted to Wiser. I gave my marketing plan to Sandra and Leanne, and they edited their marketing plan based on mine. And I'm not saying that's entirely responsible, you know, I think their amazing talent is, but it doesn't hurt that they got the fucking number one publisher in the world and my marketing plan was part of that, you know, how I structured it and what, you know, I said we would be able to deliver and that we would be buying all these books and, you know, all of this, you know, to put in our stores. And when <clears throat> I was going through and you know how you have to say these books are my competition. And I'm like, you know, I'm writing Brian's proposal and, you know, cause I've done them before. And I'm like, well, all these authors of initiatory books are either dead or they're too old to go around and, you know, sell their shtick. And, you know, you've got this one book by Thorn Mooney, which is actually a really good book. And she was at Hexford. I fucking love Thorn Mooney. But at the time, I mean, it, it had Wicca on the title. I sort of teased her about that, you know, and it was much more religious in tone than it was a magical book. So I said, well, there's this book, but I don't know if it's going to do well or not. But if it doesn't do well, it doesn't necessarily fit in exactly the same category because it seeds the word witch to the traditional witchcraft people, as I call them. You know, the 1785 of 1592 of seven, 1734. I always intentionally get it wrong. But the point is that it seeds the word witch to them. I said, so. So Judica tells me, oh, well, if it's not competition, you should take it out. I take it out of the proposal. Well, don't you know that when they deny the book, here's why they, this is the exact reason they denied the book. Well, Thorne Mooney's book only sold 200 copies in the first two weeks through BookScan. Well, first of all, you know as well as I do, Ed. BookScan ain't, Nielsen BookScan ain't tracking fucking all those occult books and you know, bookstores and small witch shops and oh, what no. have you. They're only tr- but you cannot go by BookScan with a cult book. You can't. You can't. So I might add, we're gonna, we are going to be putting all four of our books into BookScan. So fuck off, because now we're gonna be really, because if they, all these hater authors that love to trash me all over the place, they could actually get their book up higher in wiser. I mean, in BookScan, if they were actually in our store as opposed to pissing me off. So you know, because we're going into BookScan, which means we're gonna be among the only occult bookstores in the in America that are being tracked by books. So that's why they get rid of us. But you know, Brian figures out, well, wait a minute here. Why are they basing our denial on Thorn Mooney's book when they had us take that out of the proposal? Isn't that just a little bit suspicious? You know, so I was really, by that point, I'm like 24 hours later, I had a website and a logo and the fucking warlock Press, and I'm like, i kicking around. I, 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 they wanted thirty-five thousand dollars to buy the rights of Witch's Book of the Dead back. I had a friend call, and my—he'll never tell me what he said, but my guess is he educated them, you know, because they have a whole new staff. Amber is gone. There's no wiser staff. There's Judica, and then they got this new publisher guy that used to publish for uh, Shambala Press. You know, his claim to fame is he published a book called How to Fit Like a Frog. I don't know what that has to do with the occult, but I don't really see Peter Turner as somebody that should be curating anything to do with the fucking occult. Sorry, but that's the truth. And so, anyway, um, so they, you know, they deny this book, and I'm thinking, well, I'm just, you know, let me do this. Publishing company, I sort of lost my train of thought here. I've been rambling. do want to do that i'm getting old but my point is that you know here they are none of the original staff are there it's wiser it's peter turner peter turner doesn't know anything about this initiatory stuff that decision had to come from judica and i get there's a lot of witches out there include you know i know for a fact that she was sniffing around in the '80s throughout New York, wanting to get initiated, and nobody wanted her. So she's she yet another one of these witches that hate initiatory craft. And so they 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 say, oh well, it doesn't sell Thorn Mooney. Well, so when I heard Thorn Mooney, Jason Mankey told me that book did really well. So it, you know they're just going by book scan. But here's the other thing. This is the thing that should concern people the most, and this is the other reason. That I started Warlock Press when I tell you about my commitment to authenticity. So Judica says to me, you know, if Brian would only write a book about Norse magic or hoodoo, he, we'd be able to publish him. So you might imagine my face at the time. Are you there? Am I still on? Oh, of course you are. I'm listening. Oh, of course. Oh. <clears throat> so anyway... Here's what really galls me, fine, you think initiation as a subject sucks, fuck you, I get that, you know whatever bitch but this this is what's worse. This is what every wiser author should be sitting back and saying to themselves, "Why the fuck am I with these people? I want you to think about this. If Brian had written a book about hoodoo or Norse magic, they would have published him. Let me ask you the first question. How many people do you think are actual real experts of both Norse magic and hoodoo? Probably I don't
0: many, know. Anyway. Not
1: many, if any. I imagine that there's a lot. In other words, Ed, what they the message that Judica sent to me was it doesn't really matter whether Brian knows anything about Norse magic or hoodoo, but if he managed to cobble together a fucking book about it, they would publish it as a favor to me. But they couldn't, or you know, because they think it will sell. But they couldn't put. I mean, his book is spectacular. I mean, it really is, and I'm not saying it because. I, I'm the one that edited the fucking thing. So I had to go through and correct, you know, whatever little grandmother there was, he's really good. So I didn't have to do a lot. And of course, m- you know, Marta Carell helped me with editing. She's a great, if you ever need a book editor, Marta Carell is, is fantastic. And, um, you know, but it was a great book right out of the, I mean, he, his research is so fucking impeccable. <clears throat> he brought truth to the old initiatory mystery cult that people just were not talking about. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just a spectacular, spectacular book. Anyway you slice it, it's, it's a game changer, and it's going to make it for the long haul. And it's selling. In considering, you know, no, it isn't in the top ten of you know witchcraft because it's published. the one book for public, but it is selling, and we've made more money from it. Since it came out in the same amount of time that I made in royalties on my book, which was their number one seller for that year of new books, so you know, hey, you publish it yourself, you not only make more money, you get more control. And you know, when I when I went to buy oh, that's what I lost my train of thought. About. So I went to buy the rights to my book back because at this point mm-hmm. I was disgusted. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just disgusted that you know, no, I'm not into nepotism or cronyism. And if the book really sucked, I would have said don't publish it. But they they thought the book was written beautifully. They told me so. They thought it was compelling and powerful, but I enjoyed it. to them. I enjoyed it. They think it doesn't sell. So anyway, I want my fucking book, you know. So I had a friend of mine, I won't name my friend. And I, my friend will never tell me what he said to Peter Turner, but, uh, you know, I'm sure he gave Peter, who had no real knowledge of who I am, an education of what it might be like if you don't sell me back <laughs> the rights to this book at a reasonable, you know. So the next day it went from 35000 to ten,
0: you
1: know, <laughs> and I bought it. And, uh, you know, I think it was either that or they're like, this guy will just never stop, mind you, I still haven't, but it, it would have been worse. I would have been ten times worse i would have it would have been the great war of my life in you know, a life filled with some conflict, and that would have been the greatest of them all because i you know it's not just the personal issues, how they treated my husband, how I felt they respected you know my interactions, but also the fact that they're willing to publish things on subjects just because they're about that subject. So that has to make you question the authenticity and expertise of every wiser author, including me. You know what I mean? It's like, am I really, oh, absolutely. They just because I stuck witch's book of the dead on the cover. It's depressing, you know, and I realized I got a little tangential from the subject of the show, but at the same time in business, you're going to deal with this sort of shit. If you're going to have the business of witchcraft, there are times you're going to have to be one motherfucking shark. You know, you're going to have to be a shark. When I had uh, dinner with Phyllis Curat, one of the reasons she loves you and me is because we are just so unabashedly what we need to be to be what we need to be. You know, We have to do what we have to do to make this sh- fucking carnival go and the, and the carousel spin. And it's There's- why you and I, it, we have had our days. You you and I have had our knockdown the drag up. I think the reason we always come back around is there's a respect for that drive, the intellect the you're one of the only people that understands like my audience, you and Phaedra I've seen you both you know on these things going, "Well, I don't know why you think a boycott's going to work you know it, it, very few pagans are, you know they're not the ones that are keeping it all going. So they could, and you got that. But most of these people, and they always come around every few years or a couple years. Let's just all scream. You know, they were all going to boycott Hex Fest last year because I stuck up for Utu, which Dr. Utu, which I felt I needed to do. And I gained nothing from that. I only had to lose. I had nothing to gain. But if you know me, and you do, there are times I will speak up for a cause of justice, even if I've got Mm -hmm. nothing to get out of it because I feel like it's the right thing to do. And, you know, then again, somebody started this whole, we're going to boycott every person presenting at HexFest, you know, and it, it it sizzled out in 24 hours because all these people are like, fuck you, don't tell me where to go. No one has pulled out of HexFest in that regard, not one person, not since I've started it. Oh, then why
0: should they? Oh, then, no, it's one of the things you've held the ground.
1: Oh, right. so. You know how they do that to some people. There are
0: people that will. Oh, I'm pulling out of that event forum. Let me take a note. Let's see what happened to Sephora. I'm they pushed sorry? them out of the market. Sephora makeup, they pushed them out of the market. And, you know, that was a yeah. big makeup company, and it was a small pegging company, yeah. a small witch company behind it, and they pushed them out of the market. I um, don't like
1: if, if this woman I'm about to mention. I don't like that she's a Trumpy, but my guilty pleasure is Blair White, who's this transgender Republican on YouTube, who I just, she's so common sense. And her line is, I'm uncancelable." And I'm starting to think. I remember having coffee with you, and I'm looking at that uh, Witch Wars defense manual. And you've got that biological, chemical, and nuclear bullet list of all the things that pagans and Wiccans and witches do to each other to take each other out of the game. And, you know, it pretty much works every time and all this. And I'm going to listen. At the time, I didn't have them all. Now I have them all.
0: I you have had, them all. I, you have the master. I have
1: done that. that. I have checked every fucking bullet on that list, and I'm still here. And, 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 and that is not to brag. What that is is to say that you people out there are your own worst enemies if you let these fuckers drive you out of the fucking, you know, into the wilderness. Most of these people that get canceled, as they say, are mm-hmm. really canceling themselves. Because if you have enough fuck you And you, look at Kathy Griffin. She had all those shows canceled. She just thought her life was over. And, yes, she's still having trouble getting back in the game. Fucking she sold out Carnegie Hall in less than 24 hours, bitch. Like she just kept on just no matter how bad it got and how much she cried and how sad she was and her mother's going through dementia and everything else, she just kept fucking going. And that's the secret. Just Absolutely. keep going. And so if you find, yeah, they're going to say, I, you know, somebody told me today that I was a serial abuser or some fucker. It's like, whatever. You're all going to have your opinions. I'm an asshole at times. Fuck it. But at the end of the day, I'm still here. And until, you know, coronavirus or whatever the fuck else takes me out, I'm going to be here. So, and I know I'm going to be here because I know that the real secret to this is perseverance. And I only learned that in 2016, you know, when my husband was much smarter about this. He said, Christian, from what I can see looking at you, all it seems to happen is you seem to get emotional about it, but there doesn't seem to be any real cost to any of these haters. And this was when that crazy guy in the house in Florida was, you know, stalking us and putting up websites and, you know, my social security and everything else, you know, and all this. And... And, and Brian's like, why are you getting so upset? And it, it, you know, and then the, it culminated in that crazy restraining order that went all over the world that, you know, woman saying I'm calling her in the middle of the night, which first of all. I mean, you know my personality. It's pretty much like yours. I think we're pretty much the same. If either of us were going to call somebody in the middle of the fucking night and say, fuck you, bitch, it would be – we'd say, hi, this is Christian. (laughs) Hi, this is Ed. Fuck you, Ed. You know what I mean? Our personality. I'm never going to call anybody. And anybody who would believe that is a fucking moron. So, Mm -hmm. you know – and and i my lawyer was sick so i couldn't defend myself I, and, and i i was going to testify but i didn't testify because um <clears throat> it sounded so crazy she was up there saying she made my own etna explode with her mind so i'm thinking this judge must think she's nuts but there's all these tv cameras there so she's a little old lady they gave it her well a year later i showed up there for the you know she wanted a renewal for life and all that they didn't even renew it once like i went in there with a horde of witnesses And of course, there's no TV cameras that year to exonerate me, but I can tell you it was pure fucking entertainment. I could have sold tickets. I said to my lawyer the night before, you don't want to be all showy. I said, let me tell you something. If it's the same judge. He wanted that show last year. There's going to be a show this year and guess who's going to be wearing that fucking top hat. It's going to be me. If this is going to be a ring circus, it's going to be me. And it was me. And my lawyer went right along with it. And he was brilliant. And, and, you know, the witnesses were incredible. And I don't think I've ever seen a human being more humiliated in my entire life. So I don't think she's ever going to go there again. Maybe, but here's what really matters. Just a month after that second, court hearing where they threw everything out. Made international news the year before. Maxine Sanders read about it in her living room. The manager of the Hawthorne Hotel was home visiting people in Belgium and it was in the printed paper there. So a month after we go to buy this Jeep in, you know, and again I know some of this scenes, you know, it is business because you're going to face this shit. The more mm-hmm. successful you are, these are the toughest things you will face. But I want to tell people it's really not that bad because we walked into that Jeep office. I said, we need a company Jeep. We're going around and buying furniture and this and that and all this. And, you know, they're like, well, I said, but we want a really good off-road vehicle. And they're well, where are you going off-roading in New Orleans? I said, the Treme. Have you seen the roads? You know, so we <laughs> needed something that would really, you know, the potholes here are like enough to put caskets in. So, you know, I didn't – at that time, and really I'm kind of the same way now, I never really counted the money. It was all about doing the next thing because I was bored. I never knew what I made. I'd call up the bookkeeper and, and my accountant, and I, I'd tell, you know, Jim, Pam, you know, does mama have enough to take a vacation? I see that there's money in there, but how much do I owe to the IRS, and who do I owe to this, and what's coming out, and what's going in, and what's the, You know, because I'm bad at that sort of thing. I never knew. And then when we incorporated in 2014, well, now we have, you know, actual uh, complexities and structures and things that didn't exist as easily before. So they wanted to know what the company made. And normally I wouldn't be this trashy about, you know, amounts, but I'm going to do it. Cause I want, uh, there's a lesson sure. in this. I want, sure. I want people to, I'm saying this, I'm doing my own celebrity net worth, not to brag, but to show people what they can accomplish, mm-hmm. and what hate, what hate can accomplish, because here's uh, not your hate of other people, but their hate of you, what that can accomplish. <clears throat> so I go in there, and you know they want to know what does the company make. Oh, I don't fucking know. You know, Pam, w- what did the company make? You know, in the last fiscal year, which you know just ended September 30 go uh, 1.8 million i said oh, I don't know. i'm looking at brian i'm like
0: where did it all go you know because my salary isn't you know well, you've always reinvested everything back into your businesses
1: all right i put it all back into the business i don't count it so you know we we don't make we're not poor but i live in a you know in a renovated house of, i live in a flipper it, you know the house cost about 300 it's not like i'm you know that's not a cheap house but you know People living in much more expensive houses than we have. You know, it, 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 I'm not wealthy, well but you know, she says 1.8. And I'm like, so then I said, well, I just out of curiosity, what was the previous fiscal year? 1.3. So I come out of there and I said that it took that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm such a per, I'm such a creature of fact and numbers. You know, Brian has a much more insightful persona. He, you know, he was great for me because he keeps me on the, the the path, you know, but, but I said to him, I finally get it. I said in the year since that restraining order that made international news and that horrible person in Florida attacking me and Lorelai and Penny Cabot and Lori Cabot, my father, as he dying of cancer, stalked Starian Wavenhock of New York through the streets of New York, followed her from her house And then took a picture of her waiting for the bus so that he could say to her, I've been with you the whole day, and there's a warrant for his arrest in New York City. And by the way, he was a minister in in Phone Call Ladies Church by the by she ordained him because of the things he was putting us and lori cabot through because she hates both us and lori cabot now a friend of mine that's mutual with her who's still friends with both of us but she did call her up and scream next thing you know she got the guy's resignation he's no longer a minister but he never should have been one to begin with but the point being all of that there was that you know stupid comment i made in 2014 that you know i i the one bad thing I ever actually did that was true. And, you know, then there was the people saying, I walked up to someone at Treadwell's and said I wanted to rape them. And then Janet Farah forwarded it and everybody, you know, jumped on her bandwagon and we're fine now. We've since had a conversation, you know, I respect her work, but it really did damage me. You know, that, all of those things happened in that fiscal year. Absolutely. And we went up, we went up half a million motherfucking dollars so is after i mean the very worst year of haterade i'd ever fucking experienced it was the only time i you know when the thing with janet Farr happened i actually my husband had to call the police i departed from the the beautiful hotel we were staying at in london and i was going to throw myself in front of a bus near buckingham palace it's one of the only times i ever felt suicidal i was bawling my eyes out i thought everything was over and i just got this epiphany and i'm like I will live if it, only, if it means spiting these motherfuckers that I'm still here. I won't give them the satisfaction. I was so irate. And, you know, it, 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 that came out of the tears. And again, because I'm believing all of this, I'm believing that all this hate has power. And I'm confessing all of this because I want these people out there that are listening to this to know. I have my fragilities, too. I'm not made of rock. There are times I'm very sensitive. I'm more sensitive, I think, than many people realize. But I'm also here to say, let them fucking hate. Because at the end of the day, if you keep going, they're going to be eating hot dogs. As my friend Lorelai says, they're going to be eating hot dogs while you're eating, drinking a fucking margarita on a tropical beach. So fuck these people, because if I can survive all those attempts to cancel me, they called HexFest a sausage fest, a transphobic fest, a racist fest, a this or that. And here's what's funny. Diana Rachel, who's an author with Llewellyn, I don't really know her very well, but she's a very social justice warrior, which I don't tend to always get along with. But for whatever reason, she decided to go to HexFest, and I didn't even know she was there. And she goes on her wall and she posts how she went to the Bad Kids Festival and she said it was the most diverse festival she'd ever been to. She said there were people of all different races and things and this and that. And, and, and and I don't try, you know, I don't sit there like Pantheon trying to pander to all these different oppressed groups as they all sit in separate hospitality suites telling everybody else. You can't sit with us, you know, because that's real diversity right there. you got them all in the hotel, but they're all in their separate enclaves. You know what I mean? mean, To me, that isn't diversity. I don't go – I'm not sitting there going, how many blocks do I have? I don't do that. I give good content from across the spectrum of magic. Both my husband and I do. You know, we put together great presenters from different backgrounds of magic, and that's what brings the people because they don't want to learn about fucking pagan composting and no offense because I know you actually do that, but that's a class that's at Pantheicon. That's not why they're fucking going to PantheaCon. They want to be magical. People are sick of it. You know, it's like they don't want to, how to topple the communist tower or the or the capitalist Tower or whatever. There's a place for that. And it's not a magical festival. Nobody wants that. You know and and, and that's why I think Hexfest is doing as well as it is while well, this is the last year of Pantheon. You know, and I realized that Beverly Smiths and all these other racial justice warriors are saying, they're blaming us. I never blamed you, Beverly. I have always put the blame squarely where it belongs. And that was Glenn Turner, who runs Pantheon. Why? Because if Beverly and Irene McAlphin and all those other screaming, you know, black separatists went at, you know, let's say Lori Cabot ran an event and they came at her. She's 86 years old. She would shut them down so fucking fast, their heads would spin. I don't know this Glenn Turner, but she does not have the, the what it takes to run an event like that. You have to be able to come down and say, look, you ain't going to get your whole loaf of bread. You ain't going to get your whole loaf of bread. But I'm going to try to give both of you enough of the loaf of bread that you all feel like you went away with something. But the problem is that's not how some of the people are. You know, and i you I mean I'm looking into these pantheocon people seeing some radical anti Semitic, you know, really crazy behavior that just fits out you know, I'm a very practical person. You know, I right. have a few that might actually seem right wing. I'm I'm pretty left, but I'm not an extremist in any regard. And I think people who are it it, 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 it it's not so much their views that I question it becomes what tactics they will allow themselves to use. You know, like sometimes you'll see these left-wingers go, well, we're going to dox them, but we hate when they dox us because it's wrong. Well, you know something, when you set about to take an action, you're setting the right the, the rules of engagement for your enemy, and it's no longer about whether your enemy's cause is right or wrong. It's that you've defined, you know, oh, you pick up a newsie? Well, they're going to pick up a newsie. Well, maybe your cause is right and their cause is wrong, but they're still going to pick up a newsie because you picked up a newsie. How they don't understand the logic of that, I will never know.
0: They don't understand the logic of it. But let me take you to a a slightly different place. Um, So I agree with you. A lot of what you've done, so as we've said, persistence seems to be the number one thing. Not pay attention to haters. But you're also a person who gives advice. Like for me, I've been – you talk about composting. I was in composting seven years as a serious business. Um, Recently, for reasons I won't get into, I – face the battle and I lost. It was my fault. I did something I shouldn't have done or or I should have done something I didn't do, but we'll get into that someday. But when I decided I want to come back in the community, you gave me some very sound advice. It ended up sounding and everybody would have said, Well Ed, you've got a name and everything. Why don't you go off and do some big things? And you recommended something. And so people understand. You said, Well join the psychic fair. You know make an application to go to the psychic fair. Just work as one of the psychics. You know, that's a great way to get yourself restarted. And it was very interesting because I went to the – I applied like everybody else, got accepted just like everybody else, sat in the back, and everybody really didn't know who I was. And you know, this is one of those moments where big-name pagans get into big trouble. They think everybody knows who they are, and they don't. They just don't, especially in some place like Salem. Nobody cares who I was.
1: Nobody knows that better than me. Trust me.
0: Right. Nobody knows.
1: Let me tell you something. Well, no, because, I mean, I have done – There's probably a few people that have done more TV than me, but not a lot of them. But guess what? Being a famous witch is like being a famous janitor. (laughs) You're probably not going to get a real... No, but you're not going to get... No, I don't don't really... The only time I ever use that, and I don't really... Like, it's when I'm on the phone with some big company and I'm trying to, you know, they're not servicing their product or doing what they need to do and my husband can almost repeat my spiel. You know... I've been on the cover of the Wall Street Journal twice, and I've got a hundred thousand social media followers, and, and I get all whiny and bitchy, but I get what I want half the time, you know, because they don't want to have a whole. You know, I'm like, I just want you to understand, I am not some wallflower that's going to disappear when this is all said and done. I'm going to be out there, though. My new one tends to be, I'm going to hire a private investigator to investigate your board of directors to see who's cheating on their wife. You know, there's all sorts of different tactics. Some of them work. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. That's the only time I ever do, Don't You Know Who I Am? Because here's mm-hmm. the reality. Being a famous witch is like being a famous janitor. You ain't going to get a reality show. I mean, not for nothing. Nobody has done more than you, me, and Fiona Horn in terms of sizzle reels, and Lori Cabot, too, I think. You know, we've oh, done yeah. sizzle reels. We've done, you know, pilots. We've done you know, all these trips to production companies and m- millions of conversations. I think it's you, me, Lori, Fiona. We are the fab four. I, don't, I think there's us and everybody else has maybe done one or two at the best. I think you, me, Fiona, Lori, Gavin. We are at the top of that echelon, and guess what? None of us have gotten a fucking reality show. And guess what? Nobody's going to give up the table in the restaurant for any of us. If I walked into some place <laughs> no. in New York you know, and and I'm like, but I'm Christian Day. Well, who fucking cares? We don't have a seat. You know what I mean? Because I saw, I once saw Betty Davis on YouTube, but there's a great look for Betty Davis on the Dick Cavett show. And she talks about how it was 15 years of all that movies and sweat before people would you know, they'd all gather, you know, she'd went to Scotland and everybody got together and was like praising her name and they'll give up any seat in the restaurant. But that's fucking Betty Davis. It's never go there's no witch in the world that's ever gonna happen for. Not I've yet. gone out to dinner with I've gone out to dinner with Lori Cabot. And there are times mm. people you know, they way more people know her. Or she's the most famous of us all. And you know, and people will come up and say, like, Oh thank God I know Lori Cabot. Oh, I've seen you but they don't go, here, let me give you my table. Because nope. we're not at that level. We're not. So this, this, and the worst, the best part is, the ones who do it, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to get into names, Raven Grimothy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He wants yeah. to me. don't you know I'm Raven Grimasi? I'm like, are you seriously saying that to me right now? You know what I mean? Like, he said that to me. Don't you know I'm Raven Grimasi? I'm like, None of us fucking matter in the scheme of things. We don't. We're not royalty. We're not real celebrities. I'm not saying we can't be successful. I've got a very successful corporation with my husband. And, you mm-hmm. know, but guess what? Well, we also live in a city where you could be Brad Pitt and nobody cares. Nobody cares about celebrity here. That's half the reason I moved. Mm-hmm. I had, It got creepy after a while you know they those christians that they fly in every october in salem starting in 2013 that was when they added my name you know it used to just be lori cabot now it was both of us and they're following me oh, and brian yeah, down the street that's... going yelling my name out of both sodomite you know and i'm like i don't want to deal with it. you know i can deal with this in october i can't deal with this year-round you know, people getting in your business. I and mean, you know how Salem is. Everybody knows everybody. You know, within five minutes, your business is all the way down Essex Street into Pickering Wharf. And it's like, I can't live like that. You know, I love my friends in Salem, but I can't live like that. And so people understand, I gave up a lot of publicity moving. You know, once in a you while, know, I did just get flown out for something, but I do not get the publicity in New Orleans that I got in Salem. And I frankly don't care. I know it costs my business to a point, I, you know, we'd probably do better if we had more, but we're doing great. You know, we're, if we're not in the top five, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know that anybody at Llewellyn pays what we pay our managers. I don't, oh, I don't know, know who I pays. Don't what so. I, don't know. I don't know what their pay rates are, but I can tell you people, you know, they get PPO insurance and, you know, and it, there are, if you're working for us and you, you know, you show shine like a rock star, you know, we will elevate people to management positions from within, you know, this is a, a, a gross company. And so, you know, I just hired Kevin as my assistant. And now that finally frees me up to focus more on the tour company, which was faltering. And I, you can just imagine how that every business I've ever done has been profitable in the first year except that. So that's like telling me I have cancer. You know what I mean? so, like, I have to go in there and retool everything. and And, and so, yeah, I have my failures, too. And you're gonna have your failures, you know. Anybody listening to the that wanna pursue witchcraft as a career, you're gonna have your failures. But if you learn to understand your audience, you know that there are that the audience is much bigger than. First of all, practitioners are ninety percent of the time ain't gonna buy your shit. You know who has the most practitioners? Much as I find her repulsive, but I'll tell you, she gets it. If if you're gonna go for pra- practitioners, do what junkie Sarah Lawless did. And make belladonna butter, because most people are too afraid to make that because they know if you put too much in it you might die. So she's got a good oh. thing going with her bell. She's got a good thing going with her belladonna butter. I think she's cuckoo. I think she thinks every man in the pagan world is a rapist. I think she thinks every man in the pagan world rapes her. But cuckoo. But whatever. She's got a good thing going. She makes these belladonna butters. And everybody buys them. Cause, well, I don't buy. I've never been high or drunk. But the point is, they're buying them because they know if they tried to make them, they'd probably die. You know, you're talking about a poison. But if you're not going to be Sarah Lawless and you're not going to make any belladonna butter, then remember that what you're selling, whether it be readings or products, make sure there's an element. You know, remember the broom closet. Do you remember the broom closet? I do
0: remember the broom closet. Family? Absolutely.
1: And. It's a
0: lovely store.
1: I like Jeannie, the owner, because she was a fool. I went in there, and you know me. I try to help people. My husband's favorite comment is, you know, he he literally says to me, he goes, Christian, I see you on the phone giving people the advice that we live by, and then they go in a different direction thinking you're trying to mislead them, and it amuses me. there might have been a little of that in you. Pickering Wolf um <laughs> i oh, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm telling you if i if I don't want to help you, I just won't give you advice if I give you advice, I'm not saying I'm always right with my I've been wrong, but you know my advice has been wrong rarely but it is you know but if i give you advice it's coming from the heart and it's what i truly feel and, and think and logically that's the other thing i'm not just saying my feelings about something there's a gut instinct and a logic behind analyzing what you're telling me you want to do and where and how i think it will do best and so <clears throat> excuse me um i think uh god where was i going with this oh my husband you know i try to give people this advice And I try to take it, you know, but I try to evaluate who's giving me this advice. Does it seem sincere Do You know, do I think they know what they're doing? And so we're all kind of pushing ourselves forward. But, you know, I think if you're going to do this, you want to know where your audience is, what they want, how much you can give it to them within your integrity, because that is a factor. There are some witches out there that will just put anything in a bottle and sell it and it probably won't work. And that's fine if, you know, they might be making money hand over fist. Some of them are. I've seen people making serious coins selling snake oil. That can't be me. So I've had to find this way to let me do what I feel is authentic within the scheme of what I'm doing and, and, and then make it happen. You know, and I feel like if you analyze everywhere in the world is going to have that muggle-seeking magic. I don't care where you are in the world. There's going – yeah, okay, tourist towns, there's going to be more of them, especially New Orleans and Salem, which are both known as magical cities. But I believe this is true anywhere. I think, it, like I said, if you open a witch shop in Wichita, there's going to be housewives up there looking for a reading. And then if they like your reading, they're going to want to hire you to do a psychic party at their house. So yeah, it won't be in your store, but you get to go to the house and make all this money in one night. And it, There's so many ways. And and diversity is another key. You know, I have found Mm that the the big, Mm -hmm. you know, what you call reinvention is essentially my diversity. Reinvention to me would be sort of getting rid of some of those things. That's why I'm not as I think of Madonna like that. But I don't know if it's reinvention as much as it is diversification. Because I don't get rid of those old things. Um, I don't say, oh, suddenly I'm not bad anymore. You know, I've got it. I just keep adding. You're right.
0: You're right. It is about more with you, more about diversity and communicating to your audience the way they want to be communicated with. Do you you even, him with,
1: yeah. even with Hexfest, it was a test for me because, let's face it, I'm not exactly the most loved person in the magical community. I might even be the most hated. Um, I don't know, you and Fiona have sometimes, which is amazing to me because she's the sweetest person. Like the fact that she has any haters has always really upset me.
0: because oh, yeah. Just,
1: like you and I you and i can let's say it, you and i can be assholes, we have our ways she is the nicest fucking person like how can she have haters you know i could see me having a hater i'm a prick but i can't see her having a hater <laughs> it was a time where she had more haters than i ever had you know she had a whole website that i could never understand i'm like this woman is so nice and she's so magical and she can do anything she's a commercial pilot she scuba dives and teaches skydiving and yoga and ski mobiles. And like, like literally there's nothing. I've never seen this woman say, I'm going to go do this and not be able to do it. And then she don't just do it. She's like the expert in that thing. Like, I don't know how, if that's not witchcraft, I don't know what is, you know, okay. They didn't like her show or they don't like the way she looks. or they think she's too, you know, perfect or whatever it is. Or maybe she's just not 500 pounds in a muumuu and they can't relate to her. I don't know. But if, there, if she ain't witchcraft, I don't know what is. So, you know, but and she got haters. You know, we're all going to have these haters. But at the end of the day, you got to just, like I said before, you got to push it. You've got to push it, and you've got to understand that wherever you are, there's going to be an audience for it, and you don't have to sell out to do it. You don't. You give people something authentic, they're going to keep coming back for more. You know, one of the things we're doing with our staff, is we're helping them to, to do mojo bags with people here in New Orleans. We don't do it as much, up, you know, up there because it you know, Lorelai does a lot of that. You know, we do it, but it's, you know, she has a whole station, you know, so I'm, I won't ever do something right. like that. But You know, we go around and we're like, here, put this in a bag, put that in a bag. And the reason we really get the people to focus on that, the, the staff, is because it's like a pharmacy. It harkens back to those old hoodoo pharmacies in New Orleans, you know, that, You're building an engagement with that person because you're not just saying, here, buy this pre-made bottle of whatever. No, you're going around and helping them. Even though they may not be a magical practitioner, you're working with them and their energy to make something magical. And maybe that person just goes down and wins at the Harrah Casino, and that's the only piece of magic they ever did. But they'll be telling that story for years. They'll be saying, oh, I went to that. They helped me win at the slots, and I love those witches, you know, and mm-hmm. and you've got a fan for life, and, 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 and you don't have to pander to them, and you don't have to over, you know, I think they oversell it. You know, here, give me $2,000 for this working. Well, then you end up creating the opposite effect, which is if your $2,000 working doesn't, you know, turn a trick, you know, those people are all of a ripoff report, and that's why I don't do that. I'm not saying there's no place for that. That's just not my way. I'd rather work with people on a you know thirty dollars worth of mojo bag because at least you know if they don't have the best success for it they're not going to implode. But at the same time, people come back to us again and again and again because what we do works. What we do, I mean, nothing's a hundred percent. You know, you could be the greatest witch on earth, and there's going to be times your magic fizzles. But if you believe in the authenticity of you know that's a key, Ed. You've got to believe in what you're doing. And you've got to convince the the person you're selling to that this is going to work. So their own energy doesn't counterbalance
0: it. So I want to cover one last thing with you. And this has been fascinating. I think, I think you're one of the more important voices of moderation in our community.
1: Exactly. Concise. I should be more concise. I get on a little ranty, but you know.
0: but, But it is authentic. But here's one thing I think people misunderstand about where you're at. So they see you and they think that you're extremely competitive and, you can be. But you did something that is that actually I think is, is crucial to the health of Salem, and I've seen it in New Orleans. You put a map out that basically told I where put, every what? single – You put out a map that told where every store was. You were a very cooperative person. You were on the tourism boards, You were on well, –
1: various... No, I did, I did the map in New Orleans first because I was so afraid of them thinking I was a carpetbagger. I wanted to show them – you know, in in Salem, I do have a map now. It doesn't have everybody on it because you know there are some right. shops I can't recommend. In Salem, but I get what you're saying. I, but that's here's the thing, Ed. The, there's only one person I've ever been competitive with in a true way, and that's myself. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like what they say in the movie, uh, 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 the musical Evita. You know, when it is you that you know, what do you do when it's you that you're following? Because at a certain point there aren't enough people at your level that you can compete with so you're no longer really looking at that and even when i wasn't at that level i always wanted to be different like i would go around and look at the other stores and go you know you know like some of those people in Salem they'll go through your garbage to see who your suppliers are on the boxes mm-hmm. and then copy the product i'm the opposite i go into the side I'm like i'm looking around you know, Lorelai and I are the same way. We don't want to look like everybody else. We're like – in fact, she and I talk, you know, not infrequently. Of, you know, what do you – oh, what's your line? Well, what are you doing with this? Oh, and then we'll share a supplier, but that supplier will, will have some things for her and some things for us so that we're not creating this, you know, oh, this must be made in China because it's in every single store. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. there's an art form to that, and, you know, in the sense of comp- competition – there is no greater competitor to me than Crowhaven Corner. They are the number one store on TripAdvisor, and she's also my best friend. We mm-hmm. started out as like bitter enemies in the 70s, I mean, not the 70s, mm-hmm. 2007, not because of anything to do with business because I didn't have a store then. It was more personal stuff that was happening in other areas that you know we got pulled into. And once we got past that, I don't think, you know, in terms of business owners, she's the most loyal person I have there and, and she's my number one competition. So what does that mean? You know, we've gone out on vacations, we've gone to spas and, you know, in Miami and, you know, we went to Key West water, you know, we would jet ski and, and, you know, we went parasailing and, you know, she's my number one competitor. So what does that say about competitive? You know what I mean? There's sometimes a healthy competition with us. Like in other words, she knows I like to market, so she sees what I'm doing, and she'll be like, well, if you're doing a two-page ad, then I'm doing a two-page ad, which is funny because there are only three entities in all of Salem that do a three. I'm sorry, a two-page ad in our visitors' guide. It's Crowhaven, us and the Peabody Essex Museum, which has $650 million liquid in the bank. So the fact that we're the only other entity that will do that, yeah, that's a competition, Ed, but it's a fun competition. Like I've never, and I swear to you, I know sometimes people perceive me, but I have never sat there going, <laughs> and that per, like I am inspired by them. I'm like, well, if like my attitude is like, I remember Cher saying once, Well, if Tina Turner can keep going on stage, I can keep going on stage. But that's different. That's a healthy competition. That's the kind of you know, where you take inspiration from people. I've always been that way. The only time I've ever really gotten vicious is if I felt people were actually gunning for my interest. And I'm not saying I haven't got it wrong once in a while, but 99 times out of 100, they're gunning for my interest. And so you know, there's the times I put on the dog and I'm a little hardball. But that's not out of competition. Never. In fact, there's stores I don't, there's, well, there's really only one store I don't like that's on my map here in New Orleans. But I've never taken that store off because I feel like that store is important to the fabric of New Orleans. And mm-hmm. the, the cuff is going to get something, you know, well, sometimes yell at, but depending on the mood she's in. But You know, the customer is going to get something from the experience of going into that store. So who am I to say, I'm going to deny you that experience? Because I wish I had that map when I came to New Orleans because I went to all the, you know, normal run of the mills that's on Bourbon Street and what have you. I didn't get to see all that. And so, like, I'm – and and that's the thing. It I am still a fanboy after all these years. I'm a Sally Glassman fanboy. I'm a Priestess Miriam fanboy. I, I mean, Jesus Christ, they did this big article about me a few, about four years ago in the Boston Globe, and they basically called me a Lori Cabot fanboy because when I brought them down to her house to see her, you know, I said, I want you to meet her because she's really an inspiration to me. They said, that was the only time I shot up.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm so, everybody's always so shocked uh, because i go and been on tour. And you know, I'm working on the project that we that I failed previously at, um, as you talked about. I'm working on building a show. I'm building a production company because obviously no one knows how to reach our audience, and I think I can do it. I'm going to work at it. I'm going to give my energy to it. But you know, I'm well, remember the
1: remember that key. What's that? Remember the key here. hmm Um, is that well? Remember that project in in in. Uh, you know, they ended up wanting me for something. It was that your guy, but he was not, no. Do you understand, I don't know if you know this, but when I took that over with him, but I can't even remember his name. uh, I actually went, I I don't even remember his name. I insisted, I knew he did UFO something or another on history, but I insisted on going out to New York and LA. I said, you need to bring me. Nobody knows how to sell this shit. Nobody understands it. I not only got a contract with Sci Fi, but I got Bravo to take it to the top floor to see if they would get rid of their no paranormal. And I got a contract with Sci Fi through Jamona Resnick-Kaufman, who's no longer with them, but she's still a friend of mine. And uh, the guy was so green, he didn't understand. You know, they are very typical contracts. Where they say we can replace the production company in a year if we don't like you. That is fucking boilerplate. And from what I understand the big three the big three networks are even worse. Well he was so "Mm -hmm," that he pulled out and wouldn't do it, which pulled me out with it. So hence went the sci fi. But you know, that's the other thing. You've got to be don't just take everything that goes along because these these production companies number one, they're not thinking like advertisers I come from the ad world. I worked at one of the top ad agencies in the world. So I think about, I think about what are the suits on the big floor going to say? You know, and a lot of these creative production companies, they don't look at that. And what happens Mm -hmm. is it hits the 11th hour and they suddenly freak out thinking, oh, my God, you know, they can't handle it. And, And the reason why is because they look at these go shows. And they think, oh, ghost shows are so popular. Let's truck out something else like witches or mummies or you know, whatever. And what they don't understand is even though it completely violates evangelical theology, there are many evangelical Christians who believe in ghosts, practice ghost hunting, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, sure. If they understood their own theology, they would know that those are demons. It's the truth. There are no right. ghosts. And even okay. In fact, I, I someone told me a story who used to be a funeral director that he went to a gathering of Protestant funeral directors, and the the guy giving the lecture said, "How many people here, you know, watch the ghost shows?" And they were all like, "Me, me, me!" And they're you know funeral directors, Protestant. The guy went off on them, going, "They're all demons, you know." But in spite of that theology, there are many, many, many Christian evangelicals who do ghost hunting, love Donald Trump, and believe in ghosts. That doesn't extend to witches. And that's what I think a lot of these production companies don't understand is now you're trying to feed witches to that. I did a fucking paranormal conference in Salem at the Hawthorne Hotel where I talked about the necessity of witches and ghost hunting. And I had these demonologists and other paranormal people standing up and getting all upset. And I'm like, do you realize where you are and you have a problem with witches? So what I'm telling you is that is as if you do this as a production company. That is the the hurdle that you will have to hurdle over, which nobody else has done. No one else has done it. But I think the best chance at doing it, here's the best chance at doing it. I've always Mm -hmm. felt this. Always. I've said it to every producer I've ever worked with. I've always felt this, that if you can find that connectivity of the muggle seeking magic, find a way to make that show about helping people with magic and connecting to the audience, in a way that makes magic more than just watching these freaky witches in the woods, you know, doing something you can't possibly understand, or you think is satanic or evil, or, you know, because it's different. But when they look at the ghost hunters, they can relate to them, because there's so many people that live in trailer parks, and, you know, every trailer park has its own ghost hunting team with matching (laughs) T-shirts. Right. (laughs) So they can relate to that. They can't, however, relate to that weird coven of witches. You know, some people can You've got to find a way to take the magic of the witch and, and, and give it to those you know, regular people. Somehow there's gotta be a bridge there. And I you know, I've tried for years. I always tell these people and, and, and even when I have had opportunities to make a show like that, they never quite went there the way I thought they should have. And so it never the suits always look at it and go, This isn't relatable. And eventually they start to realize, well, the American Family Association and One Million Moms, you know, they were freaking out about lesbian kisses on the fucking Hallmark channel. What do you think they're gonna do about real witches?
0: I'm like, waiting for what it to happen when Fort Taylor
1: was. But but again, it's a it's fiction. I agree.
0: No, I it's agree with the you you've, you've, and I'm i have taken that it's, advice and you're right. And you
1: know, Fiona made a very interesting point about this too. She had another side of this that I thought was truly fascinating, and I don't know if it's true, but I believe it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, that, it, and she, it was such a powerful point. She said, "Maybe, you know it's one thing when Hollywood has the good witch in a fiction thing. Mm-hmm. but there are still there are still three go-to bad guys in Hollywood: the witch, the serial killer, and the Muslim terrorist. They have the three top, you know. Villains of Hollywood. Absolutely. And so Fiona made the powerful point that if they were to put real witches living their lives in a reality show, would it diminish the value of that prop that they truck out? You know, if we show witches as a real thing that's positive and living our lives, will it render useless their power to bring it in as the go to villain? It's sort of like why you don't see a lot of things showing Muslims in a popular light or serial killers. We never see them in a good light either. Not kidding, but I'm just saying. But the point is that by keeping – by not putting us – and I think she makes a powerful point – not putting us on air and showing the truth of what we do except in the occasional one-off. Oh, here's some freaky witches. They never quite get to the point where – they can destroy the use of that evil witch stereotype that they continue to truck out even today. You know, there's, there's constantly the bad witch as the go-to villain. It's the, it's the witch, the serial killer, and the Muslim terrorist. Is there somebody else that's in that level? I'm trying to think. Those were the three I always – I mean, I'm sure there's other villains, but are there any villains in movies and TV, I guess the corporate mogul, you know, I guess that. He's line. often a serial you know, like,
0: killer. <laughs> huh? But he's often the, the the Hollywood CEO, but he's often a serial killer or an agent of death. True. So, yeah. But you know what I'm
1: saying? There's, there's, there's yeah. these certain tropes that are constantly trucking out, and which is one of them? And if we make what we do real, authentic, positive, and powerful and empowering, mm-hmm. does it strip Hollywood of that go-to villain?
0: You know, mm-hmm. and I
1: and she, huh. you know, I I I don't I don't have data on this, but when, you know, Fiona is so brilliant, you know, but when she came yeah. out with that, I said you was just you fucking nailed something. Like I felt that when she said it, and I said, you know, she's got a point there, and no one has done more. Sizzle reels pilots,
0: oh. you name
1: it. She lit. She lived in L.A. She was the template of potential reality show witch. Absolutely, <clears throat> and, and I thought was this, you know she hasn't done it. I don't feel so bad that we haven't, you know what I mean? I mean, look at everything she does. It's like it, 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 or Lori Cabot, you know, when she hasn't done it, I don't feel so bad that, you know, you look at her and she's fucking iconic and it's like, well, she hasn't done it. I don't feel so like a loser that I haven't done it, you know? And, and I think it's, I don't, at this point in the game, Ed, I don't know how bad I want to do it. There's a part of me now, like my husband and I have discussed this, and it's like, would you know, we're doing really well. You know, we we take wonderful vacations. We fly first class to Europe. You know, we stay in five star. You know, Utu nicknamed me five star. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like, do I really need this? Because I've never wanted fame for its own sake. People, that's another mistake people make about me. Oh sure. I come from the I come from the ad agency world. I would love attention. I'm an attention whore but I can get attention in a room. I I don't need, you know, and that's more real because it's engaging. You know, you're actually talking back and forth with the person as opposed to who knows who's looking at you in a box. That to me isn't real attention. I understand publicity as nothing more than a means to an end, which is twofold. It helps the business and it helps educate people about magic and witchcraft and put out, you know, what I believe magic and witchcraft to be, you know, and my attitude is if you know, you get all those people that criticize us. And say, you don't like the way you represent witchcraft. Well, you know what? I didn't either half the time. So that's why I put myself out there. I figure, well, if I put myself out there, I don't, I, now I can I can bitch, but if I'm not going to put myself out there, who am I to bitch about how Ed Hubbard or Lori Cabot or any of these other people represent the craft? I'm just saying I, I don't have an issue with the way you represent the craft, but my point is, if I did, I wouldn't have a right to bid if I'm not mm-hmm. also sticking my neck there. So hey, I put my neck out there, and it helps the business. But that publicity is a means to an end. You know, you think about that Ghost Adventures episode I was on, and how many times it's reaired, and people still recognize me because it gets reaired. If it wasn't reaired every ten minutes, like they wouldn't. But how much would it cost me? What they call media buy in the ad world, how much would that fucking cost me for all those minutes people have seen? Never mind me, but the store. Oh sure. On the show, how much? How much money would it cost? You know, granted an ad, you know, an ad would be more controllable. But sometimes that works against you, which is why a lot of people do advertorial, which looks less like an ad. It pretends, you know, those things where it, it looks like a news article, but it's really a paid advertisement. Oh, sure. you know, advertorial. It, 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 like in terms of, say, it, it, you will sell far more mattresses if Howard Stern talks about your mattress in the narrative of his show versus the commercials he airs. That's a fact. So, mm-hmm. if you're what you're doing is in the midst of, you know, here we are in hacks and we're lighting candles and the ghost adventures people are like, well, you know what? That's way better than a commercial. Of Absolutely. course, I'm going to want to get If you get any business sense at all, you're going to want to work that fucking nipple. Mm-hmm. And you're a fool not to. Because, we, I mean, hello. Now, granted, there's a lot of people that don't monetize it. There's a lot of media witches, or at least, you know, occasional media witches that have never really, I mean, not for anything, crazy phone calls lady got all the same publicity that I got from that crazy phone call thing that made mm-hmm. printed newspapers. One of us went up half a million in revenue. The other saw her store close and is now on a street nobody goes in the middle of nowhere, and she opens three days a week. So publicity itself is not enough. You have to recognize the ways of what that publicity is. And even if you're the villain, because let's face it, I was the villain. She got a restraining order on me. I looked like this evil person terrorizing little old ladies. I looked like the asshole, and I still went up half a million dollars. So if you can take, if you can take asshole and squeeze a buck out of it, well then you know what you're fucking doing. I'm just saying. <laughs> she couldn't even monetize am I wrong she couldn't monetize her victimhood and all and let me tell you something just in case you think this was anything but that let me tell you sorry my sign is hoping I didn't get that coronavirus on the plane no so the night before the restraining order hearing the first one that she actually got the restraining order we were all in a limo my friendship circle going to a haunted house. Cause that's what you do in Salem. When you want to go to a haunted house on the South shore, you get a limo, you know, that's how we do it. And so we're in the limo and I get this call from the associated press. We hear that there's a witch versus a warlock. And we hear there's all this media, which we're coming tomorrow. and We're doing this and they do. And I'm like fucking horrified. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to be the laughing star. And frankly, if I could turn back the clock, I probably wouldn't have had all that publicity, even with the half a million dollars, just because it was so goddamn humiliating. And maybe I'm lying to you because when I sit there and think about it, I kind of like the money more. But the point is, (laughs) I'm I'm like on the phone with the AP guy, and I'm like, can I ask you who tipped you off? Well, I just spoke to her lawyer and that was his way of saying she did this for a fucking publicity grab. And
0: okay. my lawyer
1: pitched that and my lawyer put that out there and this is this is the this is how absolutely vapid the the powers that be in Salem actually are. Look how long it took me the mayor gets it now. Destination Salem gets it now. But there are a lot of people that don't understand that type of tourism. This judge being one of them, because he goes, well, this restraining order was filed on September 28th. That's a whole month before October, but, but, Oh, excuse me, before Halloween. He goes, that's a whole month before Halloween. That's in the court transcript, so you can go look it up. How fucking horrifying is that? First of all, if you know anything about Salem tourism, it starts the first goddamn weekend of October. Heck, <laughs> it starts the first day of October. Absolutely. In fact, Destination Salem refers to the five seasons of Salem, and one of the five seasons is October. But this judge is like, oh, she wasn't looking for That's exactly what this was. That was a publicity grab. And guess who made the fucking money out of it? Ha ha. So if you're going to come okay. for me... Have all your ducks in a row because you can make me out to be the worst villain in the world, and I will still find a way to squeeze that nickel.
0: Absolutely. So <laughs> we're coming to, to the end of this, I, and this has been a great journey through it. So people have, have listened to it. So we have these young, young <laughs> you people. Oh, no, I'm not. That is a little bit. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be hearing, hearing really the raw truth is sometimes the best. So there's a lot of young people and they do not have the same attitude. Why
1: well, I'm not interested in bullshitting people. Well, I'd rather you hate there. me for the tr- I'd rather you hate me for the truth than love me for the lie. It's my attitude. And so
0: last thing is, so so people want to get started. I know that they can come you know, they can come, you know, if you're a really good psychic, fly for the psychic there, you'd be surprised how much I'll get you honed <laughs> up. Um well, I guess or, the
1: what do you want to get started in that, that, you know, if they want to learn magic, they should either come to HexFest. Oh, this is the other thing I got to tell you. You know, basically you can find everything from warlocksinc.com because that leads to everywhere else, but we're okay. going to be doing, and make sure you find us on Facebook because we haven't been putting them on the website yet. Cause I haven't taught Kevin yet how to update the website, but if you go to our Facebook for Hex New Orleans uh, and soon Omen Salem, Uh, We're going to be doing classes. We've got them starting in the next, uh, I believe the first one's on the 9th. No, the 6th. The first one is February 6th. It's on the beginning of the tarot. And I think the 9th is the Lenormand. And these are classes that we're going to be holding in Hex, New Orleans. But they're going to be live streamed. And you can actually pay to take them and watch them online and ask questions through the, the question and answer box. And so you can actually learn occult things. And that's coming to Omen within about a month to a month and a half as soon as i get kevin trained and we're going to have live stream classes if you want to learn a whole weekend come to Hexfest. um if you want to you know if you're more of a muggle and you want to get a reading go to the psychic Fair. but also go to festival of the Dead.com and apply to be a psychic because we're always looking for new people but here's the thing ed we have so many levels of entry whether you're Mm -hmm. a beginner that just Mm -hmm. wants to buy a product at either hexwitch.com or omensalem.com, that's the e-commerce, you know, the web store, you know, that's where you buy the product. And if you're a practitioner, you can buy the herbs, you know, to make your thing. But we have so many levels of entry that it's really hard to just say that one thing. You know, I say, if you want to be an actual witch, read Brian's book, Initiation into Witchcraft from Warlock Press, because that is, that is the foundation. It really is.
0: good book. And it's, it's a mighty powerful book, I will say. I have read it <laughs> now, and and I will – I I agree. As an initiate myself, I agree. It's a very sound book. I wish I would have known more of that earlier on myself. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't have wasted
1: my time with all this other claptrap. I would have actually done it. I mean I am very grateful, I will say. I will never, ever, ever say – and if you can ever take Lurie Cabot's Witchcraft 1 – death psychic ability training you will ever get in your life and i do mm-hmm. think that's important using magic without psychic ability it's like using a video game with the tv off you sort of know something's happening but you don't know how. and so you know i will say cabot training is very good it's not the same but there are similarities with alexandrian witchcraft because we do a lot of mind mm-hmm. magic you know so it's and mm-hmm. i think initiatory craft as well but yeah Go to warlocksinc.com. dot com. You know, that that goes everywhere. You know, that's like the portal to everything else. And it is going to
0: work
1: because you got with suit so, so diversified. How do you put it all together?
0: <laughs> I agree. I absolutely agree. This has been a real pleasure talking to you. And so, yeah, everybody knows. So, if you have final things. Go to warlocksinc dot com. And is that is that correct? Prologseek.com, as I got that right, and uh, yes. and enjoy that. And in a couple of days, I'm gonna be uh, interviewing your uh, Sandra, Sandra Mar- Marai Wright, uh, as a powerful business. Oh, awesome! There. And so that'll be February oh. 4th. If you want to hear some of the more interesting, I, love, yeah, I want to talk
1: powerful businesswomen. I mean, they got fucking random house.
0: So and The rest of us
1: are basically we're all in the welfare publication society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, you know, once you do that. You know, you, you you say what you say, you know what I mean? You can, we can. Uh, and so did Lori Cabot, by the way. She was the first witch to get something of that level. Um, Absolutely. you know, so it, it, it it's Sandra's coming full circle with that, you know. And uh, I thank that you for having this whole week. Thank you for having,
0: and I do, i thank you
1: well, for wanting. I hope people really listen because you know they have such a mix, you know, they think these things are mutually exclusive. We're not expected to be poor. You know what I mean? No. You know, and if you're one food no. from the soup kitchen, how are you really going to help people with magic if you don't get your own shit
0: together? And I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted you out tonight because I think you've done one, you've done an amazing yeah. example. And not only have you just – and I don't think you just did it for yourself. I think you've done it for a lot of other people. Like you said, you have a team on it. And I really think that one of the benchmarks of uh, the, the transformation of Salem – into the witch business is a lot to do to your efforts and Sean, Sean's early vision and you basically carrying your own personal legacy. And heck, you meeting Brian is like one of the best things I've seen. It, it is, it is it definitely rounded you out.
1: I appreciate that because people do try to gun for him or they'll gun for me vis-a-vis him or, you know what I mean? They, or they see him as a threat or some sort of thing. And it's, he's so come into his own. Like, I have his haters. You know, like, he'll get a hater, and they don't mm-hmm. know who I am. But now they're my hater because they were his hater. And you know, it used to be the other way around, you know. So he's got his own oh. really expanding platform. and, and, and But he's also – I mean, he's dedicated. He's a dedicated high priest, and he really understands the magic and the religion and the priesthood and the mystery cult that is witchcraft as well as I think anybody mm-hmm. it's it. I don't think he always gets the credit because he wasn't hasn't been around publicly all these years mm-hmm. but I think that's starting to change you know that book is the, is the catalyst
0: well I will say this is the first year so I just did one of my surveys as I do from all the you know every year I do the same survey tell me who are the people I should be interviewing and Brian. Was one of the individuals okay, who was, was one of the newest voices that I hear. I've heard people go, Oh, Brian! Brian, you should do Brian. And at some point, we, well, did uh, you have, have you asked? <laughs> Not yet, because i no. Yeah. Not yet. I'm I'm waiting until very. Yeah, I will in time, but I think that um I think Brian's uh is amazing, and I will, as you know, um I'm going through this. I've made my rededication to bring people information. I know I'm reaching out to about a million people a month who like to pay attention. And one of the things that it is is because. We focus, we focus on the audience that is, and you've done a really great job with that. And I really appreciate you coming on and being part of this. So it's Warlock Think. You've been re- listening, if you haven't figured it out, Christian Day, the entrepreneur and witch and just all around busy person. Beyond um, this <laughs> crazy person.
1: Thank great. you to you, and and your listeners for having me.
0: And, and thank and you. Always- and, uh, and it's always a pleasure. So, folks, we'll be back again next time with Marian Kay. We're going to talk to her about design work, and this entire week we're going to be talking to business folks um, that have just – it can show you that abundance is a witch's right. Blessed be, and good night. Good night, everyone.